0: The move was forceful, arm and a leg, hell they charge a torso and live here. Drip tears down on the concrete jungle where socks still slouching. the sauce is bumped. Welcome to Insert Name Here. Wait, wait, is that, is that right? That, 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 can't be, that can't be right. Well, your weekly rundown of what just went down here in D.C. and why it matters to normal people like you and not just your neighbor who looks so pregnant that she looks like she's about to explode. We're your guides. I'm Scott Remley, aspiring Memorial Day Parade Grand Marshal and Democratic strategist with the firm Vaccaro Blue.
1: It's not Pride Week yet. Uh, I'm Ian Taranji, immigration attorney with Rodriguez and Sanabria, and also an artist member of the One Love Massive Collective, um, the band leader with uh, the Lucky So and So's, and they are One Love Massive Collective member. Welcome, welcome to insert name here because we just haven't come up with snappy, um, funny, cool names yet. Name jet, jet for for the podcast, Ian. Um,
0: it's Sunday, May twenty eighth. What the hell just happened here?
1: So yeah, a lot's happened again. Uh another another big big week of news and we're going to we're going to try to run down it. You know, I didn't want to just really quickly um just talk about something right up front though. Um because obviously there's a lot of news going on about Trump and Russia. And I think it's important to to sort of like give you folks a a guide of where we plan to go with this, which is as follows and you know Scott we discussed this beforehand. You know, I think as long as there's legitimate news and legitimate news stories, which to be fair, there's there's a lot <laughs> all the time. There's no shortage. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But I think that there's this sort of like creeping sense in the progressive communities that, you know, this is a, a, a presidency that's a, that's teetering on the edge and is about to collapse and, you know, in a, in a spectacular Banana Republic style fashion. Um, you mean like on sale? Yeah. Forty like percent off. Forty percent off of chinos, yeah, something like that. You know, I think it's 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 important to discuss what's going on, and certainly if these scandals do in fact reach the, you know, bringing down a presidency, um, you know, constitutional crisis in the history of the republic type scandal, we'll be there to talk about it. But I think what we want to do is talk real news, and as 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 a general matter in this podcast, really dig down into issues, talk about news. But also talk about issues, you know, like we talked last week about Jeff Sessions and how the U.S. Justice Department is going to be prosecuting drug crimes going forward, and what that's going to mean for prison populations. To me, frankly, that's a lot more immediate and a lot more um, uh, uh, has a lot more to do with people's lives than than what's going on with uh, with Trump and Russia. I still say the best way to defeat Trump and Trumpism is going to be at the ballot box in 2018 and in 2020 and we shouldn't just be sitting around waiting for, you know, uh, the wildest conspiracy theories to actually come true.
0: Boy, I got to agree, you know, no one likes, I I don't think any of us who, who listen to this podcast or think about this stuff are really happy with the way government's going. Right. And sure, as like a straight white middle class man, I'm probably insulated from this better than just about anybody else. I'm probably in one of the best positions to weather the storm, but we ha- you, you have to look the problem in the face. Otherwise, what it becomes is we're grasping at straws. We we grasp that you know the Jill Stein recount. Oh. Jill Stein will fund this recount, and it'll it'll save us all. One, Jill Stein was incompetent, and like that campaign couldn't. I, I I those guys could screw up a one horse parade. Two, Jill Stein raised a ton of money for a recount that she promptly did not spend on a recount, and now she like has all this money for what? Like, no nobody knows. But one of the things she could do with it is pay herself back. We can all hope. That things will get better, but the truth is, is that when you're in a hole, the first thing we have to do is stop digging. And yeah. right now, the best way we can stop digging and start clawing our way out is just confronting this for what it is. Yeah, uh, Larry Bird ain't walking through that door, folks. <laughs> uh, and it's time for us to understand. For for those of you under the age of thirty, you should Google that quote. It's a it, it's an outstanding yeah. moment.
1: And to bring that up, I like to bring it up to the modern day. Like Barack Obama isn't come isn't walking through this door. I mean, he's still obviously on the scene. And we'll have things to say. Yeah, he had lunch Bye. for he
0: had like brunch with uh, Prince Harry yesterday, or two days ago. Like, good on him, you know. Yeah. Quality brunch with a with a weirdo ginger second in line to the throne. Like, way to go, <laughs> man! Bravo.
1: Exactly. So, given all that, let's 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 start talking about the news. Um, because this week we did have a lot of news, and we actually did have some 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 Russia news that we'll get into. But I wanted to. Kind of quickly run down the remainder. Should of we Trump's
0: just, should we just rename this podcast from Russia with love? We could sing it every week. From what? Russia, we'll, we'll
1: storyboard it. We'll storyboard it. We'll put it up on the board next to uh, politically trans- transmitted diseases. We're not doing political. And uh, you know, we'll 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 weigh, we'll weigh the pros and cons.
0: Well, well talk cons. to me about the Russia news this week.
1: Well, so the Russia news. You know what? In the fuck.
0: Right. The big Russia breakthrough this week is that it turns out that both during the campaign in 2016 and afterwards, there was what we're slowly seeing is some of the leading print news organizations are continuing to kind of peel back the onion on the relationship between Russia and the Trump campaign. And for a long time, it was, well, maybe their computers were just kind of going back and forth, but you could say like, oh, those were just, you know, spam messages. There was some evidence that there was some computer interaction, but it kind of got Rushed under the rug. And then it was, well, maybe it was just Paul Manafort who worked with sort of Russian folks in international campaigns. And he was in charge for a while, but then he wasn't. Or
1: Mike Flynn. Right.
0: Or Mike Flynn as the national security advisor, a key national security advisor both during the campaign, who turned out to be on the payroll of the Russian government. Now the latest one is it's getting closer to Trump. And what the New York Times and Washington Post reported this week. Is that Jared Kushner, the fair-haired boy of the Trump administration and Donald's son-in-law, husband of his daughter Ivanka, had direct contact with the Russian government as well. Even going so far as to say, well, we should talk, but why don't we talk at your place so we don't get caught? And asked the <laughs> Russian ambassador if they could meet basically at the Russian embassy, to which even the Russian ambassador said, ah, uh, no because you don't you just don't let agents of another government like into your you know into your embassy particularly your like secure facilities in your embassy
1: or your like oval office
0: right well you know uh, the, you know uh, hey but, I, I, but it would be the equivalent of the russian government if in the middle of an election suddenly saying like hey could we meet with members of the trump administration maybe at the cia just asking for a friend like n- no yeah. um but the the It keeps getting closer and closer to Trump, which is why this week for the first time or last week for the first time, what he came out and said was, look, my campaign had nothing to do with Russia. At least I didn't. I can't speak for everyone else, but I can only he said, I can only speak for myself. And that's pretty interesting because I think that's the first time that he's sort of implicitly acknowledging like, okay, there might be something here, but I didn't know about it. So you can't be mad at
1: me. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. It is you know, remarkable. Let's, let's 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 be fair with some of this cush, uh um, sweet, The back the back channel stuff, you know, because I think world leaders do generally try to set up back channel communications where they can have sort of frank discussions. Yeah, n- world non- leaders. public discussions. Right, 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 right. I guess my question about this issue particularly, I mean, were there any other world leaders that? Kushner was trying to set up back-channel uh, communication networks Sure, with. that's
0: true. If he was trying to do it with all of the members of, say, NATO, which we'll come to in a moment, then maybe you feel a little less weird about it. It's a thing that they thought they should do.
1: Yeah, and why do this to evade CIA surveillance? I mean, did, and, and the biggest mm-hmm. thing to me is that we really think that nobody's going to know. they were just going to get away with this. I mean, that's...
0: Right. Why are, just, are you trying really... to hide? You, you know, now, now you look like... You know the teenage boy who you know goes into the bathroom when when mom knocks on the door and says what's going on in there? They say nothing. Don't come in. I'm like all right, well we know what's going on in there. Uh You could tell me not to come in, but we all get what's going on, man. Like, it's cool. I'm not going in. Right now, I'm gonna just uh, hey, you know uh, just, uh I'm cleaning the your, house right now, so if wash you can your hands sanitize when the doorknob, okay. that would be ideal. You know, just so that I, I have all the doorknobs clean in the
1: house. You know, and I would say this kind of like from a from a 10,000-foot view. You know, I think that we just got done talking about how we weren't going to delve into conspiracy theorizing on Russia. And our first uh, story is about Kushner and Russia. And you know, I think I think, I think... I think... Success. Yeah. <laughs> Self-awareness.
0: Mission accomplished. Uh, Tom Cruise,
1: thumbs up. Look, it... We have tremendous reporting that the Washington Post, the New York Times have done. They with really multiple are. sources. You know, Trump actually was just tweeting this morning, and we're doing this on Sunday, May twenty eighth. Um, it's about twelve forty five p.m. Um, you know, Trump tweeted this morning about you know fake news and you know right. we Why all anonymous sources? the anonymous sources. Why aren't they naming their sources? Look, don't be fooled. Anonymous sources can be legitimate. Sources. These are people who just simply don't want to put their name to it because they still work at the White House, and right? Their
0: jobs could be in jeopardy, particularly with a guy who's made it quite clear that he's more than willing to fire anybody at the drop of a hat. Right, right, right. Kind of. He's at least built his reputation on
1: that. Right.
0: We're probably about to see a bunch of that in the communications operation. Yeah. There.
1: I mean, I, you know, I. It, it, it's it's not to say that they're perfect, but I do believe that the New York Times and the Washington Post operate under journalistic standards and. Um, you know, that they're going to try to verify through multiple sources and that, ed- you know, editors are going to fact check and verify before putting something to print. Um, so to me, this feels like it, it's sort of like a re- in, in, in the law, it would be a rebuttable presumption. We can presume that these are correct until and unless we get evidence otherwise to say that it's bad reporting. Obviously, there has been bad reporting. The Rolling Stone University of Virginia rape case was... Uh, classic example textbook example of bad reporting and certainly the new york times and washington post have not been above that um you know but i do think that for the most part and especially with these stories that they are undergoing tremendous uh, um, uh, editorial scrutiny to ensure that 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 we're getting
0: take for example this jared kushner
1: development
0: the washington post reported they knew about this in november that's like buried in the story about all this stuff the right. post says you know we knew about this in november But we wanted to get multiple confirmations. To their credit, like the New York Times and the Washington Post seem to have like, uh, and and some of the other major media outlets have have risen to the occasion. They recognize this is Game Seven, and in Game Seven, you get down on the ice in front of the shots. You get down and you take the hit. You don't just be Ovechkin and vanish. You you know you have to make the play. There is no tomorrow. And what they're doing is they're raising their game. They're making sure that when they do these things. There's three, four, five people all corroborating the same thing.
1: Well, they already know that they have a president who's going to declare that it's fake news. So,
0: Right. Uh, so that's the end of our first segment. When we come back, we'll talk about more issues that are facing your day and how we can help take them on. You're listening to Insert Name here.
1: Hey, y'all. So, Scott, we are uh, being hosted here, beautiful hospitality, at the One Love Massive, HQ in Scenic Shaw neighborhood across from the historic Howard theater across from the historic Howard theater that is correct. And uh, so we're here at the One Love massive HQ and, and we want to hip you to everything that's going on with One Love massive. if you want to be hip to everything that's going on in the district, also in the DMV,
0: can we find them on the Google machines?
1: What is a Google machine? What's what you're holding in your hand?
0: We're going to try this one again. We're going to start over on <laughs> We're back at Insert Name here. Ian, what else happened this week?
1: So this is where uh, I'd like to take a little bit of a deep dive. Um, the... Slow it down. <laughs> little uh, smooth, quiet story. Uh-huh. You're not going to get me a crack this time. The Congressional Budget Office scored the improved GOP House bill on health care, the American Health Care Act. Um, Trump care. Trump care.
0: And, and to recap for everybody, scored means they basically ran the numbers. They took the bill. These are professional, nonpartisan bean counters. This is their whole thing is they just sit there and they, they're supposed to be the, the folks that can say, like, hey. We're the people you can count on to be independent verifiers of this stuff. You can always make your apples-to-apples kind of comparison of if we say it's worth this much and we say another bill is worth that much, you know you can count
1: on us to have been consistent. That's right. That's right. And so when the American Health Care Act was first introduced, the CBO scored it as functionally stripping health care and health insurance away from 24 million people. Um, And then at that point, there was sort of a grassroots revolt. Against the bill, it went away for a while. It's not pretty. Then there were some amendments that were made to it. It came back, and they voted on it. The House, uh, the Republicans in the House, voted on this bill before CBO had the opportunity to score the updated bill. So we finally did receive the score this week uh, from the Congressional Budget Office. And what was and, that verdict, Ian? Well, again, I think it's important to point out the Republicans have already voted. In the house, they've already voted on this bill.
0: Right. They it said, has already passed. Oh, we have this terrible bill, and but we've fixed it. You can trust us. Now we can all vote for it. So they voted on it. And then CBO came along afterwards and said, Okay, uh, well, hey, by the way, I know you're the ship's already sailed. We've ran the numbers. Hey, how many people will be left without insurance now under this new fixed version of Trump Care?
1: So, the CBO's bottom line numbers here are that 23 million will lose coverage by 2026. 23 Um, million. 23 million, which is an improvement over the 24 million from the previous bill. Uh,
0: So, we've moved from 24 million getting screwed to
1: 23 million getting screwed. That's correct.
0: Progress.
1: That's correct. Uh, a couple of other interesting points from the CBO's bottom line. 14 million in the first year in 2018. Oh, good. That's nice. That's up <laughs> there. Got him. Got him to break on it. <laughs> uh, and it also saves $119 billion by 2026. Um, it allows states to opt out of minimum insurance coverage and protections for people with pre existing conditions um, through the implementation of high risk pools. And all of this is on top of really, really drastic draconian cuts to Medicaid of, in the amount of roughly, I think the number is about $800 billion. Um, the CBO indicated that the largest savings come from cuts to Medicaid funding. Uh, and CBO, you know. They're, Medicaid they're,
0: being the program that like basically helps your low income folks be able to see a doctor. Right. So it's right. one of the talking points you always hear from conservatives. Is this is whole like, well, anybody can see a doctor. They can just go to an emergency room. Which is technically true. I haven't heard a whole lot about emergency room chemotherapy.
1: This is, this is correct. I haven't heard
0: a whole lot about emergency room uh, allergy management, uh, emergency room, you know, g- you know, uh, 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 physical therapy, chronic correct. pain, all these kinds of things. So bear in mind that that argument is a red herring.
1: Sure, sure. And, 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 and honestly, if you're looking at it sort of like from a – what were these people thinking? Perspective. Look, the difference between twenty four and twenty three million, it isn't obviously all that great. Um, and if they were okay with it at twenty four, they're certainly okay with it at twenty three. Right. Where the Republicans attempted to improve the bill was in additional protections for um, uh, for people with pre existing conditions. And so what they've tried to do is to set up. High risk pools to get well. First of all, to give states the option, the 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 option to opt out of uh, these these Obamacare regulations on minimum insurance and you know not being able to price out people with pre existing conditions. They're able to opt out of those regulations, and they create high risk pools um, that, according to CBO, are are functionally. So underfunded as to not really provide right, protection. That they,
0: they won't actually do anything.
1: The yeah, idea CBO being... CBO estimates that about a sixth of the population would reside in areas in which the individual market becomes unstable, beginning in 2020, and it would become unstable primarily because um, uh, uh, because you're going to have two pools of insurance, one that's going to be a lot of healthy people. And so yes, premiums for those people will come down because they won't have as many sick people in those insurance pools. But then you're also going to have these high risk pools that, you know, it's debatable whether that's even access to coverage when you're
0: right. It's people not adequately funding. It's people our parents' age. It's folks over forty-five, over fifty, where like the truth is you you start to wear down or you need dialysis or yeah. your knees don't work right and What you have is, you know, young people frequently who say, "Well, why should I have to pay for that? I don't have that problem." Which, like, okay, but you will someday, man. Right,
1: betrays a lack of understanding of the concept of insurance. But you know, we would see the CBO basically agreed with with Paul Ryan and the Republicans that we would see a net premium decrease, but that you would see a substantial increase for certain vulnerable.
0: Right, the premiums would go down because the cost of insuring people would go down, because people who really need insurance just wouldn't have it anymore. Right, so then you're not paying for it. You know, it's it's a similar argument to saying, uh, well, you know, why should I have to pay for homeowners insurance? My house isn't on fire. Well, (laughs) okay. I guess at some point your house may catch fire and then you'll need it and you don't just get to run in then and say like here's my $35 rebuild my house like that nah, that's that's, right, right, that's right. not how insurance works. Now mind you the the long-term answer on all of this is what people call single payer. It's the idea that the government steps in at some point and says healthcare isn't a thing that we should treat like cereal. You shouldn't have to worry about whether or not you can afford it. It's a human right, the right to see a doctor, the right to stay alive and benefit from some from medical advances. That's a fundamental right. And so when you hear people talk about single payer, the way that I like to think about it is basically saying at some point, okay, everybody gets Medicare now. Medicare is awesome. We yep. all have parents or grandparents that are benefiting from it, or hopefully we all have parents or grandparents that are benefiting from it. They all, you know, if they get sick, they can go see a doctor, and it's great. And the idea is at some point we just say, okay, everybody gets access to Medicare. And what happens is because everyone has access to Medicare, it's an easy system that's accepted anywhere. The theory is basically everyone will buy into it. And cost, for everyone will come down, too. They'll go up a little bit for younger people because those are folks that tend not to use it. But they'll come down more for older folks. And in the end, that's like it's the tradeoff you make to basically right. live in a civilized society.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think our bottom line here is this is basically the same law that we had before. It's a massive tax break for wealthier families. Yeah, it is. That's paid for by making health insurance unavailable or unaffordable to many, many people. Um, How this affects you, the listener. So, again, as we mentioned, in 2018, we're talking about within the next year, were this law to pass exactly as it is, um, you would have 14 million people losing coverage. You know, I mean, if you have insurance... Through an Obamacare exchange, an, Ameri- uh, an Affordable Care Act exchange, um, you know that's at risk, uh, as we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, you hear so much about sort of the the gig economy, and you know, people not having that one forty hour a week job that had gives them their medical benefits, and these 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 individual plans in through the Affordable Care Act are are many people's lifelines to health insurance. And even if you don't have it, you might have a brother or a sister who has it or you you know, your if you have your aunt or you know, if your if your parents are in their mid 50s and your dad just lost his job, you know, I mean, what 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 are, you know, what are these folks going to do? Right. And if these plans aren't there for them and they're not meeting the income thresholds to get Medicaid, which are going to be lower now because of the, the the massive uh funding depletion
0: right the idea being that basically what the government's going to say is okay if you want us to pick up the check on your health care you're going to have to be even poorer Right. which okay i guess on the one hand we're saying well low-income folks should have health care but now basically what they're saying is yeah but if you're like just low income and not really low income tough luck for you man like well you know for a lot of folks, like a big, a lot of people who take advantage of Medicare are folks who are doing things like in rural communities, for example, where some of the best jobs you can have are working for $15 an hour in a warehouse or working for 8 bucks an hour at Walmart. And in these rural communities in particular, those are the lifelines. And to suddenly be told like, oh, yeah, now you're not going to benefit from that. It's one more problem.
1: Sure. And, and, and those, those are the markets that are most at risk of destabilizing because they have fewer options for care, fewer options for insurance. You know, if you live in New York City, if you live in Chicago, if you live in D.C., if you live in Boston, there's there's a lot of options out there for you. If you live in many rural communities, right. many rural communities have Pueblo, one provider. Right, Pueblo, Colorado. Have one provider. I don't know if Pueblo specifically uh, Pueblo does. has but- more than
0: one provider. But if you live in a place like uh, Grand Prairie, Nebraska, or if you live in Mississippi, in northern Mississippi, or
1: in right. you may well be in an area Arkansas, that only has one wherever. provider, and and it really can destabilize those individual markets for people who don't get their insurance through uh, an employer.
0: So, again, this this CBO score and the way that this bill has been sort of managed through Congress tells us a lot about sort of Republicans' priorities. Their priorities are making sure to cut taxes for rich people because right. those are the people that give them checks. Right. Their priorities are being able to sort of disingenuously say they're making premiums better, even you know, kind of like by saying, sure, you've lost weight. See, I chopped off three of your fingers. Like, yeah. I did technically lose weight. There's well, another document that came out this week that teaches us a little bit about what is uh, a genuine priority uh, and that was the Trump budget. Uh, every year, the president is required to propose a budget to Congress. And, you know, we should remember that the budget doesn't really have any force of law. It's basically them, it's it's basically considered the, the president and the administration writing down what their ideal scenario would be yeah. for how to fund the government. And Ian, talk to us a little bit about what was in that budget?
1: I mean it's 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 a lot of cuts <laughs> cuts, cuts, and more cuts basically is what it is. I mean, I'm not sure what the total amount of cut from the budget um is but but there's significant cuts to virtually every uh governmental function and agency that is not military that is not homeland security um and you know and again, the point of all these cuts is to. Return this money to, as Republicans would argue, the people who pay it, um, who tend to be higher income folks. But I mean, think about some of the things that are getting cut, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Institution That's for Museum and Library Services, International Development Foundations. The Legal Services Corporation, I mean, that's actually a... Um, yeah, I was going to say,
0: what does that do, Ian?
1: That's, that's actually near and dear to my heart, because uh, I, I worked for a summer when I was in law school at uh, Legal Aid in Grand Rapids. The Legal Services Corporation, functionally, what it does is it provides legal services to indigent, low-income people, uh, people who have landlord-tenant disputes, if you have custody disputes, Um, It's all civil. I mean, obviously, for for criminal matters, you have a system of public defenders um, in every jurisdiction throughout the country.
0: But these are the lawyers that say, if your landlord decides they're not fixing that dripping sewage pipe coming out of your ceiling, these are the people you can go to when you can't afford a lawyer. You can go to folks and say, I feel like this is wrong, and I think maybe they should be told to fix it. Right and that's that's what the legal system is there for is to make people do the right thing even if they don't want to do it and these are the lawyers that you get to work with because you know are they like the the, the most top-notch crackerjack attorneys on the face of the earth no a lot of well, them hey are know. young people just hey coming know. out of law school that but what they are is free and <laughs> they are free. free at uh you know free and young and hungry and ready to work hard is a lot better than nothing
1: yeah uh, some other things that get cut here: National Endowment for the Arts, National Endowment for the Humanities, Neighborhood Reinvestment Corporation, Housing Trust Fund, Capital Magnet Fund, Economic Development Administration, Minority Cabinet Business Magnet Fund.
0: Is that like the uh, is that is that like uh, for putting stuff on my fridge? Yeah, I assume that's what it is. It's what
1: allows me to have weird poetry on my fridge. Yeah, that's exactly right. You are not going to get that anymore. White girl problems. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Grants in Education.
0: Oh, good. You mean the people that help teach children about global warming? Yes. Why would this president want to stop teaching people about global warming? I can't imagine. What else is in there? Community Services Block Grants. Oh, good. Community Services Block Grants, the things that help make sure that we can fund nonprofits at the
1: local level. Abandoned mine land grants.
0: Oh, good. You mean the people that help make sure that we don't have toxic runoff into our drinking water?
1: I guess if you if you find that sort of thing to be important.
0: I mean, I I, I have to admit, Ian, I'm weird. I'm pro-clean water. And I get <laughs> that that makes me a strange duck, just a great big weirdo. Yeah. Ian, when I worked in the Senate, one of the things that we talked about, though, was that we said the budget is a moral document. And what we meant by that is how we started out with this discussion, which is to say this is a thing that talks about our priorities. It's a way that you kind of communicate here's what our perfect vision is. And I got to say what largely what this document shows at a moral level is what matters is rich dudes that own golf courses and and like really awesome private jets. Yeah. And the people that don't matter are basically all of the rest of us. Yeah this has been a That's and unfortunately acres. this has been a republican platform for 30 years they push this under the argument of oh right but rich people they invest and help create jobs which by the way they do invest they put it in stocks or in mutual funds these aren't job creating investments they just protect their money this is why when you hear republicans yell about the death tax we call it the estate tax but the whole idea of that is to say you can't just concentrate money in bank accounts and just keep handing it down in your family because at some point, it becomes ridiculous. All the money stays with just a few people, and right. that's not fair. That's not right. That's not how the economy is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. We instituted this after all the robber barons in the 19th century that, that were you know, buying up land and then building railroads right next to it and then being able to sell the land back off, and they made like all of the profits on it. It was basically an anti-corruption effort, and now we're, still seeing, we're basically seeing the Republican Party end run around that. It is truly a remarkable thing. What's the what's the cut that bothered you the most in the budget?
1: Um, the same thing that we saw in the health care bill: huge cuts to Medicaid. Yeah, so you had roughly eight hundred billion dollars cut from Medicaid in the AHCA. There's another. Uh, I don't have in front of me what the exact number is, but there are more Medicaid cuts that come through the budget, um, and the net effect of that is you know roughly a trillion dollars taken away, taken out of the 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 pot of money that is supposed to pay for poor people's health care. I mean that's that you know when I when I look at these when I look at these documents as a whole, it, it says to me that that uh, you know Republicans don't want to pay for poor people's health care. Um, that's something that we've known for a long time. And that's frankly why they have had to bring this back to the AHCA, why they've had so much trouble with the AHCA. Why the Senate is going to have, I think, a lot of trouble coming up with a suitable bill because there is no there is no grand conservative vision of the government's role in healthcare at all right um i mean you have a lot of people who think quite frankly that these these efforts don't go far enough in extracting the federal government from healthcare and they just don't believe that healthcare is something that should be paid for by the government and that's you know look this is America, and people are entitled to that view. I just think it's important that people understand that view and understand that the the, the actions that they wish to take they may be constrained by political realities. But in a perfect world, the, these are the actions that they would take. They would be stripping health care away from people. They would be taking um, you know childhood health insurance, childhood uh, 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 you know school lunches, and things like this. These are the, these are all the types of programs that are on the chopping block.
0: Well, and let's remember too, these programs don't exist because they like think their way into existence and are just summoned into being by by, you know, the force of will of the Almighty. You know, these are the same fights that we were facing a hundred years ago or eighty years ago around social security. Right. In the middle of the Great Depression, when no when like senior citizens when when getting old meant dying in poverty, you know. For FDR created Social Security. And a bunch of conservatives ran around then and screamed socialism. And we ran them over because it was the right thing to do. When LBJ uh, created Medicare, it's the same kind of thing. It was because you shouldn't have to face... Like, staying alive shouldn't be the thing that kills you. You know, getting health care... These, you know, things like Medicaid. Medicaid exists because at some point we realized collectively, like... We are a brother's keeper. We do have a responsibility to help out those that didn't get the same opportunities and didn't get the same, you know, good fortune. And that's, like, the right thing to do. For Republicans to be running around going after this stuff, you know, it's disingenuous for them to ignore the history of it, too, which is, like, these things were put in place to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. That problem hasn't been solved yet. You know, uh, the Supreme Court argued uh, that... Uh, when they knocked down part of the redistricting stuff uh, a few years back, right, and the, the, what's called the pre-clearance, But the idea was, in certain states with, you know, with long histories of segregation and Jim Crow, when they redo their uh, congressional maps, which you do every 10 years after the census, they basically had to send them to the Department of Justice first. And Department of Justice here in D.C. would have to look at them and basically certify, these are not stone racist trickster maps. These are yeah. maps that we feel are legitimate. And the Supreme Court knocked that down basically by arguing, like, well, that problem's been solved. Well, ask anybody who lives in North Carolina or Georgia or Texas or anywhere else that are these pre clearance states. Those problems haven't been solved. And for Republicans to sit there and say, like, oh, well, the problem's solved now. Well, no, until everybody has a job and there's no such thing as poverty, something they're not willing to do, um, that's not, you know, the problem isn't going to be solved. There are always going to be structural problems in any system. Is the same problem in a corporation. There is always people who photocopy their butts and steal Post-it notes. There's the same problem in any kind of government. You entity. say that like it's a bad thing. I've se- I, well, look, I've seen the photocopies of your butt. It is a bad thing, um, but you know, there's always going to be problems with this stuff, and our responsibility is to always be trying to fix them. And We right. don't fix them by saying it's not a problem.
1: That's, so. a, that, that, that's exactly right, and the these documents taken as a whole. I think just listen, I, I think as we said in the first segment, you know, it's important if we're going to defeat these ideas, they have to be defeated at the ballot box in 2018 and 2020. And so it's about finding representatives who will articulate your principles and your beliefs, even if those are different than than ours. Um, you know, I mean, that is the ultimate foundation of our government and our society and um, you know so that's why it's important to understand what's happening and what these people are doing uh, in our names so.
0: we'll be back in a moment you're listening to insert name Here.
1: if this were a real podcast with more than I'll just charitably say a handful of listeners Um, We might have actual advertising, um, but since we don't, we have to just use these little breaks to um, solicit show ideas. So if you have any ideas of topics that you want to hear us talk about or people that you would like to suggest that we uh, talk to about certain issues. um,
0: (laughs) What Ian was going to say, it was, tweet us at woke since 84. Remember to make sure to mock Ian because not only can I make him break during these, but he can't make it through them himself. I can't. We're back with Insert Name here. We're up into my second favorite segment, Moron or Asshole. Before we get into that, your your nominated progressive moron of the week is me. Because in the previous segment, I was talking about pre clearance of, of uh, voting maps. And what I meant to say was pre-clearance of any laws that impact voting behavior. Yes. Things like voter ID laws and things like that that those states have to have pre-cleared. Right. Maps are still uh still required preclearance and in plenty of states they're still getting knocked down as they got knocked down by the Supreme Court this week for being stone racist. So the lesson <laughs> as
1: always, <laughs> I'm an idiot.
0: Now we come to more honor asshole.
1: Ian I don't know I would vote asshole for you.
0: But you, my mom. I mean, jeez.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, like a true. listserv
0: or something. I don't understand. Yeah.
1: Just to be really clear on the Voting Rights Act, it's actually something that I've done a lot of uh, research on, and and is a topic of interest for me. So, you had under the old voting, well, the Voting Rights Act, you had what were called pre-clearance jurisdictions. These were places that had histories of sort of. Racially stopping people from voting and poll taxes, uh, poll taxes literacy like. yeah. tests. So basically, what the now what, the, what the Voting Rights Act said was, if you uh, resided in one of, or if you were in one of these jurisdictions and you wanted to change voting laws, you had to pre-clear it with the Justice Department. That was struck down a few years ago. I think the case was Shelby County uh, v. Holder. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Moron or Asshole moron this week. Moron
0: or Asshole.
1: And we've got a few. I mean, Sean Hannity is sort of the... the Asshole. The, Next. <laughs> he, he's the sort of the embodiment of, of this, but but it's being pushed by a lot of people. And so our Moron or Asshole this week. Conservatives who are pushing the Seth Rich conspiracy. Now, just to back up really quick for people who don't know, Seth Rich was a... A uh, young guy from Nebraska in his twenties, um, in DC, I think a recent college graduate, um, working at the Democratic National Committee, and um, he, I think he lived in Brooklyn, or I'm not sure where in which neighborhood in DC, uh, but I think he, he was he was he was walking home from work, kind of late-ish at night. Um, it was a robbery that went bad. He ended up shot and murdered. Uh, as far as I know, the crime is still it's unsolved. unsolved. Yes. Um, so that provided openings for people. Now there's conspiracy theories going around that Seth Rich himself was the leak of DNC material to WikiLeaks. Despite um, there's
0: exactly zero, zero, evidence, zero evidence, of this evidence whatsoever. There's not a single email or right, record right, of right. a phone call, right, but, Nothing.
1: But for many conservatives, we just add Seth Rich to the the long list of people that Hillary Clinton has had murdered. Um, so, Hillary Clinton, c-
0: mob kingpin or really <laughs>
1: awesome mob kingpin? Yeah, exactly.
0: It is uh, the, the list. You know, and we we're talking about this at the break. the The cavalcade of Republican conspiracy theories. It's yeah. remarkable, and it can go back. It goes back almost thirty years now.
1: Well, this gets back to our question. Moron or asshole. On the asshole side, you know, the, the this conspiracy theory, you know, there's a very, very clear motive here, which is this. If you can find an alternative source for WikiLeaks obtaining DNC emails that it then published, um, then that exonerates the Russians and by extension exonerates the Trump administration and the Trump campaign. Which Trump, is why, and Trump himself,
0: which is why it just flared up this week. As there's more and more evidence, there's right. more and more stories about That's exactly right Russia Russian coordination with the Trump campaign. Suddenly, all of this is injected back right. into the news.
1: So it looks like asshole. I mean, you even have this kid, this poor kid's family, um, you know, making public statements saying, you know, this is very painful. We still don't have closure. Um, this only happened less than a year ago. It's obviously still very raw for the family, and to it's, see. Sean Hannity up there saying, you know, this guy was killed by, um, you know, the, the globalist cabal who didn't want Trump elected. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And the, the obvious motive, again, is to um, exonerate the Trump campaign, exonerate the Russians um, and sort of, you know, put to bed all of the sort of Trump Russia stuff.
0: So that's the case for asshole.
1: That's the case for asshole. There is, however, now I think,
0: comes moron.
1: I think there is, however, a a strong case for Moron because you take this as a piece with the many, many other conspiracy theories that we've seen float around in conservative, sort of the conservative mindset. And this is going back a generation, going back to the Clinton years. But, I mean, just a few off the top of my head. All
0: right, let's do this as a game. You rattle them off, and I'll see how long it takes me to remember what they were. Bertherism. Bertha not that president, wasn't, he wasn't born in America, he was actually born in Kenya, even though they released a clear documentation showing he was born in Hawaii. Next. Jade Helm. Jade Helm, that the uh, Army doing its annual exercises in Texas was actually a, a cover-up for a massive internationalist black helicopter conspiracy that's going to kill us all. Correct. Ding, next. Obama wiretap. Obama wiretap. That, Ob- that Barack Obama, in an effort to throw the election, actually wiretapped innocent Donald Trump's campaign. Ding. Next. <laughs> 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 Woo, three for three. The lightning round. Benghazi. Benghazi. That Hillary Clinton actively ignored a problem at uh, in uh, when the. Uh, uh, what are those things called? Uh, when, uh, in, in an embassy. embassy consulate. In, right. In the consulate in Libya. Uh, and that uh, the result was is that several American service members died because basically she didn't want to save them. Right. Pizzagate. Pizzagate. Oh, this is my personal favorite. Comet Ping Pong off of Connecticut Avenue I believe that's right. is actually a secret underground child sex predator ring being run by Hillary Clinton. You'll notice a the, the sort of common thread in a bunch of this. Yeah. Hillary Clinton.
1: Well... Vince Foster, no, the,
0: Vince Foster. So Vince murdered Fons- by Hillary Clinton, right? Murdered by Hillary Clinton in, uh, off of Rock Creek or not off of Rock Creek Parkway, off of G.W. Parkway. Uh, that uh, he had secret files that would show all kinds of problems for the Clintons, and as a result, uh, Hillary Clinton had him shot. Or alternately, also that she that he she was having an affair with him
1: and had him killed. We had our president who treated who tweeted in 2013. How amazing! This is a quote. How amazing the state. Health director for Hawaii, who verified copies of Obama's birth certificate, died in a plane crash today. All others lived. So I mean, it's you know, um, and I want to give <laughs> I want to give credit to, to to John Favreau of Pod Save America. I mean, we we essentially have a president who is a low information voter. <laughs> <laughs> We have a president who is <laughs>
0: behind the wheel. He's a guy who's taken one driving lesson and is now driving the bus. He
1: this he falls for the conservative conspiracy theories. I, I have no doubt if we went back through Donald Trump's um, if we went back through his Twitter feed back far enough, I'm sure we would find stuff about Jade Helm and Fast and the Furious and Benghazi and. Maybe not Vince Foster, because I think at, back at the time he was actually a Democrat and kind of friends with with, with uh Yeah, he was, with wh- the he was in the White
0: House Counsel's office.
1: You know, but I mean, at the point at which you've got, you're tweeting about the Hawaii state health director who's been now murdered by the globalist cabal who seek to install their Kenyan president, Overlord. Manchurian candidate. Right. Into who was, the, by the I way, I mean, supposed,
0: he was supposed to change the Constitution so that he could serve a
1: third term. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that third term. Right. Failed at that
0: thanks Obama. <laughs> like, look at the mess we're in now. You couldn't figure out how to get this done. Come on, man. It is remarkable yeah. and it, you know, and what it says to me is it's a group of folks who understand like the world is changing around them. they don't really understand why their place in the world is not at the apex anymore right and so the best answer isn't, hey, change happens, and unfortunately you're like, you don't like the way it's happening and those things happen, the best way to explain it is, well, there must be a massive global conspiracy against me. Could be. Could also just be stuff happens. I get caught in traffic. It's not because there's a massive global conspiracy to make me late. It's because traffic happens and, like, that's what it is.
1: You should also plan in advance and maybe leave a little
0: early. So you're saying that my employer is not responsible for my lack of transportation planning?
1: I guess, yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. That's fair. I mean, you know, my employer is myself. But, right, exactly. So it's remarkable. So that's a pretty compelling case for more. <coughs> you you know? And what's really creepy is it's it's the way the two interact. There are folks out there who believe this stuff because they're just trying to make sense of it all, and I think that genuinely they're trying to do the right thing in the right place. And then there are the predators. There are the people like the Sean Hannitys of the world who know this to be not true, that they know that this isn't what it's – they know this is not what's going on. But you put it out there because everybody goes, oh, okay. This is how Glenn Beck, a former conservative uh, commentator on Fox News, Glenn Beck, who then spun off and sort of started his own little uh, programming network. Um, This is how he made a lot of his inroads with folks early on was as an explainer. He would sit there and say, you know, George Soros, a Democrat, funds these things, and that's why they're attacking Republicans. (laughs) And because of that, you know, people kind of understood, or they thought they understood. This, however, is going just to a totally different place, because it's one thing to explain how campaigns work. It's one thing to explain how power moves. It's another thing to attribute assassination attempts to people. Like, there has to be a line somewhere.
1: But they also have to have the conditions correct for for these conspiracy theories to thrive and to grow. And you have a very you know, an already existing media echo chamber in conservative land.
0: Right. And they've been doing this for now for fifteen or twenty years, key talking points anytime a conservative is talking to when you know when we were in when you and I were kids, it was just conservative talk radio. That was where they had their home. Mm-hmm. Were things like, oh, the media hates us and they're not telling the truth, even though the media doesn't really have an agenda on anything. They write what they write. Oh, uh, Democrats are taking things out of context. It turns out if you say anything bad, but you say, oh, you took it out of context. Most folks kind of go, OK, well, things get taken out of context and sensationalized sometimes. They must not right. be. They couldn't be lying. Uh, you know, you have people saying, you know, you, you've created an environment over a 20 year concerted effort to put in a position, a place where when the press tries to say something and and be a referee and an arbiter for the truth, Mm -hmm. people are primed to reject that. And it's exactly what most of the institutional Republicans had to deal with in 2016. They literally created the environment for Donald Trump to thrive and then turned around to the press and everybody else and said, well, you got to tell people he's lying. And they said basically, like, we are. And your people aren't listening because you've trained them not to listen.
1: Right, right. And And that's, that's the real... Problem with these conspiracy theories is it becomes this echo chamber of I know it's true because I've heard it here and I've heard it here and I've heard it here, even though everybody heard it from the same false source.
0: Well, and on top of that, the thing about a conspiracy theory too is when you don't hear about it, you say, "See, it proves that people are covering it up and trying to keep it quiet." And once you know, there's a lot of research that's been done about people's ability to like have their minds changed. You know, if you give them a certain set of factual beliefs and they buy into them, it's very hard to get them off of that. Right. And that's what these conspiracy theories prove. If you've decided that Hillary Clinton is a monster and must have been covering all kinds of things up and is a person who you're saying is willing to assassinate somebody, that's what it's going to be. Uh, so for more on our asshole, I think I think the answer this week is, is asshole. Ian, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think asshole. I think asshole. Um, but it's it's like a 51-49 type deal. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back. This is Insert Name Here.
0: You're listening to Insert Name Here because neither Ian nor I are smart enough to come up with a
1: name. Ahem. <clears throat> but, well, Ahem. Do, you have, do you have something in your throat? I do. Yeah. Well, in Politically, the meantime... Transmitted diseases.
0: Okay, we already said no to that. But if you I, have an idea for what to call this, you can tweet me in at woke since eighty four on Twitter. In, we're not going to the transmitted diseases. Who hurt you?
1: <laughs> yes. And we're back.
0: And to wrap up, let's end with my favorite thing I saw this week where we highlight something that gave you hope or made you smile or at least deaden the existential pain just a little bit. Ian, what was your favorite thing you saw this week?
1: So I have, I'm going to indulge myself um, with two favorite things that I saw this week. Um, one is, uh, you know, if you follow our, uh, the One Love Massive CEO, Molly Ruland, queen of this here hive. Um she is very much a, an activist and a strong voice for for women's issues and so this issue just was tailor made for her to go off and go off she did and um so there's a pop-up restaurant here in town called Diet Starts on Monday or something like that Diet Starts Monday Story um, of my life. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. Uh, and right. one of it says their... the guy with the jawline.
0: <laughs> uh, diet starts Monday. Diet starts Monday. Their,
1: yeah, uh... one of the one of the one of the drinks on their menu was called the pill Cosby. That's pill as in take a pill. Yeah, Cosby as in Bill Cosby. Pill Cosby, which is obviously a uh, take on. Uh, Bill Cosby using various drugs. If, uh, right, these, the if the many, many, many accounts are to be able, to be believed, Bill Cosby used drugs to um, rape women, and that's like
0: obviously. a lot of them. Like dozens upon dozens of yeah. uh, alleged victims have come forward and said, "I I was victimized by this."
1: Right, right. And and look, Molly went off on Facebook as. As she should have, lots of people went off on these guys on their Facebook pages, on Yelp reviews, and 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 the like. Uh, there's actually an entire hour long podcast talking about that, where Molly talks about this, and you should all uh, check it out. It's, I think, very instructive. Uh, you know, rape culture is just not something to be joked about. Uh, the estimates are that one in four uh, women uh, in America have suffered some sort of uh, sexual violence or abuse and it's just it's just one of those things you know I mean look unless you're a professional comedian even then it's just not I, I just don't see any any place for that type of like that 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 type of humor and and the reason why this is one of my favorite things that I saw this week is because you saw this outcry um, public outcry against uh, the proprietors of of diet starts Monday, and they took they took it off the menu they they issued a full apology retraction. I take them at their word. I don't know these guys from anybody, so I take them at their word that they were clueless and that it was a dumb thing. they obviously thought it was much more clever than it really was and um, you know so uh, my, the reason why it's one of my favorite things is not because um somebody made a drink called the pill cosby or that anybody thought that it was super clever it was obviously not super clever the reason why it's one of my favorite things is because you had community activism and it really was community activism that 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 was able to institute some some small change so it did it gave you hope a little bit of hope a little Let bit of hope you know
0: that like we can be
1: organized yeah my second favorite thing that I saw this week, and this is a shout out to a friend of mine, Aaron Myers, who is a tremendous, tremendous jazz vocalist here in town. You'll see him a lot at jazz jams uh, at uh, Mr. Henry's or uh, sometimes at the Brixton. Uh, my very good friend, Orrin Levine, who's a member of the Lucky So-and-Sos, he plays quite a bit with Aaron Myers. Aaron is uh, the musical director at uh, his church, and I unfortunately don't have the name of that church but every Sunday morning, he gets on Facebook Live. He's playing the organ. He's singing gospel songs. You know, they always talk about Sunday morning being the most segregated time of the week in America. It's very true. And I'm not a regular church goer. I'm a man of, I'm a man of faith, but I'm not a, a a regular church goer by any stretch of the imagination. And it, it, it always puts a smile on my face hearing Aaron do Sunday morning Facebook live Gospel music straight, straight from the pulpit. Uh, I really love it. So if you get a chance, Aaron Meyer, it's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Myers, M-Y-E-R-S. Look him up on Facebook. Follow him. You'll get this same feed every Sunday morning, and it's really, really delightful. Well, that's good stuff to hear.
0: Um, Ian, my favorite thing I saw this week was the photos of Pope Francis meeting with Donald Trump. Um, That had to be uncomfortable. It just, you know, the, those guys have about as much in common as uh, two wet cats in a bag, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, to see Great to visual. see these Great photos, visual. and we will. Uh, you should uh, check out Ian's uh, Twitter. Woke since eighty four, ah, uh, nailed it. That's right. At woke since eighty four, we'll tweet out some of these photos a little bit later today. But take a look at them because the Pope just looks crushed. He looks so unhappy. He has all the look of a five-year-old with low blood sugar being dragged into yet another Impressionist gallery <laughs> in maybe I'm just reliving yeah. my childhood. Um, but he just looks miserable beyond yeah. words.
1: We didn't, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about uh, the remainder of Donald Trump's first international trip, but obviously it included a visit to the Vatican. Um, Three things that I thought were really funny about this Pope visit. One, um, that Pope (laughs) gives him a copy of the papal encyclical on On, climate change. change.
0: That's outstanding. Yeah, I hate you and everything you stand for. I have to stand here and look nice. By the way, maybe you should read this on your flight home, stupid.
1: (laughs) The other one was uh, at one point when he uh, introduced himself to Melania, he said to her, kind of pointing over at the Donald, what are you feeding him? (laughs) First of all, as if Melania is some cooking, jokes don't. Like as if Melania is cooking dinner for him. Right. But anyway, uh, the answer Pope Francis is she's feeding him well done steaks with ketchup. And the third That's thing, crap. the third thing was the spectacular, spectacular memes that came out of those photos because they're all in black veils. And I saw one where they put the twins from The Shining in there. <laughs> uh, Damien from the Omen movie was in there <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Pope Adam's family.
0: Looked, he looked miserable just, you know. And he wasn't even going to try to hide it It's not even like you put on a brave face Hey, it's the alleged leader of the free world At least for the next three and a half years We're going to go out, we're going to say the nice things it, You know, he, he, the, the Pope could have done the Thanksgiving dinner routine That we all know of Like, just grit your teeth, get through it Don't rock yeah. the Pope, don't piss off Uncle Mike and instead, the Pope went out there and was just like, nope, not having it. Mm-mm. hell no, right. not may, my
1: thing. I may be the vicar of Christ, but that doesn't mean I have to stand next to this asshole. The
0: like only I thing I liked that I, that was my close, close second runner-up was the footage of, of uh, President Trump meeting with the newly elected president of France, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, and when they shook hands... Uh, Trump tried to, like, stop, you know, they they reached across, they shook hands, and then Trump tried to break the handshake, and Macron just squeezed harder. And it (laughs) got to the point that Trump, like, had to, like, flex his fingers all out straight of, like, basically saying, let me go, let me go, to get to Macron to let go. And Macron just hung on and made him look like a chump. And, like, good on you. You want (laughs) to get into petty politics, you orange-faced moron? Okay, I'll just break your hand when I'm shaking it. So, like, good on you for that. Well, look, that's the end of it for this week. Uh, if you want to learn more about where we record, uh, you should check out One Love Massive, uh, the arts collective in Shaw.
1: That's you, right. Thank are, you. Thank you to One Love Massive. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Big Mike, as our always. Our big producer, Mike Phillips, our producer, extraordinaire, Molly Ruland, who gives us uh, the opportunity to uh, say stuff into a microphone that other people, at least one or two other people will, will hear.
0: Our 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 chosen life partners seem to have gotten bored with this stuff. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> I think my wife got through two episodes, and uh, I'm not sure that she's ready to go on. No, she thinks she thinks I say fuck too much,
0: which you do. Fair enough. Fair you enough. do. God fucking damn it. Uh, if you have an idea of someone we should talk to, uh, an expert who knows what they're talking about, you can email us or tweet us at at woke since eighty four. And if you have an idea for what our names should be. You can also tweet that to us at since 84 If we choose your name, you'll win this week's prize. Second prize is uh, a set of steak knives. First prize is an all-expenses-paid trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Which
1: Beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. Makes,
0: which, which will make uh, Ian happy, but would make me abjectly miserable. Uh, Ian, what's, no what's just this just week's nominee no uh, for, a, for a name for this podcast?
1: Political ointment. like a take a take on topical ointment, political ointment. No. Uh, no. Mike's shaking his head. No. Yeah, it's no. definitely not as good as politically transmitted diseases. Okay, we're still
0: not going with... Poli- Jeez,
1: but dancing, um, look, it's on the board and... we just have Yeah, to it's on the board
0: because the board is covered with all rejected ideas. That board should be labeled, no, and then, and then it would be better. Well, that's all for this week, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Insert Name. Peace out.